Welcome, Legionaries, to episode 5 of Legion Cast. Today we are doing a hobby roundtable with some extra guests. Joining me is Legionary Brandinius. Take it away. Hello, my Legion brothers, Legion sisters, and often forgotten, but never by me, co-host Warwick. Welcome to Legion Cast. Yes, uh, joining. we're doing a little bit of a different episode today. Uh, joining us is is two other members of our our gaming group. They're both named Paul, so for the sake of brevity, one of them we're going to be calling Manipole, which is his online handle, and the other one we're going to be calling Paul, because it's very original. Anyway, uh, Paul, go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me on, guys. Name's Paul. Been playing for oh, roughly 15 years. You know, started back in college and uh, just getting into heresy. I played a little bit of 1.0 but never really got into it so 2.0 is the the real deep dive it's been fun so far manipal what's your gaming history well i think by now i qualify as a gray beard not just a long beard i started well back in high school in the 90s and there was a little hobby shop in our hometown that had on its shelf a copy of Warhammer Quest. And uh, my older brother and I bought that one year. It was the big box, and it was all about adventures in the old world. And I fell right into this. It was an amazing experience. We played all kinds of games with that. It was fun, funny. It was dark. It was an unknown world to me. There were certainly some hints of Tolkien in there, which I'd already read The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit by that time, and really felt like this was a hobby I could get into. So he also sold some metal miniatures. I think back in the day we painted old Reaper minis with Tester's oil-based paints, and then the plastic minis that came in that box eventually got some paint on them as well. Um, I still have some of those old goblins and minotaurs and that sort of thing. Then... The next thing that happened was probably getting a copy of the Rogue Trader book that a friend of mine had bought from the same shop, but could not understand what it was about. And he just gave it to me. I read it and again, fell right in. If you've, any of you have seen that old Rogue Trader book, the art and the design of it was just so engaging. And I don't think I ever actually played a game of it, but I spent hours and hours pouring through that book. And something that's important for us here in this year 2022 is that i can finally get my hands on that old school land raider that was in a picture with the marines marching out in front of it i would have so many daydreams about being the guy driving that tank with my squad of 10 marines going into the into the the these chaos and alien infested planets and just killing and kicking butt and it was a, a dream i've had a long time to paint one of those tanks and now i think that day has come so in the, in the middle of that probably played a ton of warhammer ton of 40k starting in third edition on all the side games necromunda mordheim battlefleet gothic and now adeptus titanicus and uh, just really happy that the hobby has taken off as much as it has and now i'm on a podcast with you fellas so can't wait to see what we talk about. Very interesting. It's always good to hear that story. So, <clears throat> Maniple is actually my older brother, and he had uh, 
mentioned some interest in coming in the podcast. And what Brandon and I eventually decided was that we wanted to break up our episodes. So now you're going to be getting bi-weekly episodes. We'll be alternating between a hobby roundtable like we're doing this week. And the next episode will be one of our book podcasts. So to get a little more, to stretch out these, these hobby chats, we brought on a couple extra people. And really, I had been thinking for the few, first few episodes, we weren't really hammering the hobby side of this enough because I could talk about this forever. So uh, I, I, I'm pretty hopeful about how this will turn out. We're looking forward to your feedback too. So uh, with that being said, I hope you guys enjoy it. And let's get into what we've all had on our hobby table. I have gotten around this past week to doing the polymer bases I had talked about, and they turned out pretty awesome. Um, I shared some in the the hobby chat here and on social media, and you know, you guys say they they look good. My only gripe about them was the uh, the cookie cutters I got for the base sizes are just a hair under the base sizes, so there's a little lip around the edge. But I think I'm going to be able to cover that with some flocker. Uh, Maybe even some more of that, um, the the sealer that I'm using, it'll be less noticeable, but you know, we'll, we'll see how it turns out. What have you guys been working on? Brandon, go. Yeah, so I just finished up a, another tactical squad uh, for my Dark Angels. I am actually right now putting that last uh, bit of black paint around the rim of the base to finish them up, and then I will be working on my Inner Circle Knights, uh, nice. who performed very admirably for me in the game today. Uh, I've not had a lot of great luck with them uh, until recently, um, recently being today. Uh, we'll talk about that later, though. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's what I've been working on. Um, next up for me, I think, is going to be probably Marduk Cedrus, uh, who's one of the named Dark Angels characters. Really cool model. Um, he's got that big anime sword uh, that I think is awesome. But uh I'm really looking forward to painting him and uh, getting getting more of my more of my Teutonic knights in space all painted up. Definitely, that's awesome. Uh, Paul, what about you? Yeah, so I've been working on uh, Sons of Horus. Um, you know, I've been mostly an Imperium player for the majority of what I've been doing, so I figured Heresy would be a good time to shake it up. And if I'm going to go trader, I'm going to go the trader. So got to be for the war master uh i think at this point i have all said and done i have probably just shy 3500 points built and primed nothing's painted yet so got to get started on that but it's all set and ready to go nice very cool yeah manipul what are you working on well i've got a few different projects i'm working on now uh for our 30k games and working on my alpha legion i finally settled on some paints that are going to work i just just did a uh kind of a nickel uh spray paint over my alpha legion and then i got a hold of, and this was kind of a hard pill for me to swallow but to get into contrast paints because it just seemed like it was painting on easy mode and i've always been a painter that had multiple multiple steps and all my stuff but as a result a lot of things never got done so I put some of this here, Croxagore scales over that metal paint, and it looks amazing. So I've been working on those guys. I also finally got into the 3D printing game and uh, printing out some terrain for a game called Gaslands. Have any of you guys ever played that? 
I've played a couple of games with you. I, I really enjoy that game. I am presently one for one on Gaslands, <laughs> uh, which is why I have retired. Oh, good enough. <laughs> and of course, it's, it, that's a, a great hobby. If, if you're not ready to take the dive into like huge, you know, these massive 3000 point war games and it just feels like it's too much for you. Take a look at something like Gaslands or the other Osprey games, because you can literally play that for $3. Go out and buy three Hot Wheels cars, although they're now a dollar twenty-five, so maybe four dollars, and uh, download some of the rules or get a hold of the rule book, which is really cheap, and just play. It's a great way to get into wargaming. Um, a friend of mine that listens to the podcast, she was telling me uh, that she found Gaslands rules that change it from like um, post-apocalyptic to Mario Kart. So instead of machine guns and stuff, they're throwing shells at each other. Oh yeah, yeah. There's yeah. some amazing Mario Kart builds out there. Yeah, that that was pretty. That seemed kind of interesting to me. Yeah, that's a that's a great way, a great shout for getting people into the the mini gaming hobby. The one that I always lead off with is BattleTech. Um, not yeah. as cheap as that, but a lot of right. fun. Because Battle, BattleTech, it, it's like a, what a thirty dollar box, and you've got enough models to play a game. Yeah, you can get you can even just get the twenty dollar beginner box, and you've right. got everything you need to start playing. Definitely, and one of the nice things I've seen over the years too is the growth of these online communities. So much that goes on on, on Facebook and Discord and other other places online, you can get so much inspiration for paints and hobbies, modeling tutorials, all that stuff. It's a great time to get into these hobbies. Yeah, the. The online community is is just awesome, um, and it, it's allowed me to level up my painting game way beyond what I thought was possible when I first got back into the hobby a few years ago. Um, but uh, that's uh, it. Yeah, I I agree wholeheartedly. Um, I want to touch on what you said about getting into the contrast paints because I think that heresy for all of us here has been a great way to kind of try something new with our hobby. Warwick, you're doing the bases. Um, Manipul, you're you're trying contrast paints for the first time. I'm getting into enamel paints and oil washes for the first time. Uh, Paul, are you trying anything new for your for your paint scheme? Um, yeah, I mean it's mostly I'm branching out using new paint types. Uh, you kind of got me turned on to those streaking grind paints, and I'm going to be trying a lot of the AK Interactive line. I've never used them before. Um, and also scales 75 is another one that I'm going to give a try on these guys. I've heard a lot of good things. I've heard there's a bit of a learning curve, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah. That, nice. that AK interactive stuff is, is great. Uh, Warwick, should we move on to hobby news? Yeah. So I wanted to pick your guys's brain on a couple of subjects. The first one for me is, well, we know in the modern 40 K lore that, Cadia was destroyed, but the motto is Cadia stands. So I guess my thought there is, why didn't Games Workshop take this opportunity to reinforce like one of the other guard lines? They just keep cranking out these Cadia models, which like lore-wise, semi doesn't doesn't make sense because I get the whole motto Cadia stands, but. Like at what point do they do they lean in like the Catachans or the the Krieg or um, the Vostroyans even 
you know, why, why do you guys think that they're not like bumping them up even in the lore so much? So I think, you know, they're labeled as Cadian guard, but in terms of like the actual models, I think lore wise, that's just supposed to be the generic standard template for guard gear, the carapace armor and las guns. So technically the models are supposed to just represent generic guard from any planet. They're just marketed as Cadians, kind of like how every box of space Marines are painted as ultramarines on the box art. Um, and I think the other thing too, is just more of a business thing in order to do Katachin and Krieg and all that, they would have to, you know, basically reprint the entire guard model line to include those models. They did that with Katachan back in the day. And I, I just don't think it's sold as well. So I think they're a little gun shy on doing anything more than like kill team squads for any of the special stuff. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, I would second some of that. I think that it, it, it is, in a way, it's kind of a, be a beginner army. It's accessible. People see, oh, it's a bunch of guys with guns and tanks. So they probably don't want to go too far down the road of making them too unique. When I did my Imperial Guard army, though, I was impressed with how many ways there were to customize those. Because you could take uh, models for the Warhammer line mix and match pieces easily easily because in those days the arms the torsos the legs were separate and so i made a guy some guys based on um the cast marauder set i made some guys based on bretonians i made some guys that even from the cadian kit you know clip off the end of the las gun and make make it a shotgun you keep all the heads with helmets and make them look like stormtroopers so it, it was surprisingly flexible i'm curious to see if the new models will be as flexible as the old ones so I know you've got some guard models there, Maniple. Are you? Do you have any plans to uh, kind of bump that up with the new line coming out? Or are you going to kind of cool the jets on that one? What do you think? I've got so many thousands of points of that. If I did anything, I would probably sell some of my old models to make room for new stuff. I've got to say I like the new Sentinels and the new yeah. artillery pieces. Those look great. Even, even the new officer models that are coming out, I think, look really good compared to the old ones. Agree. And there's a little more, little more um, detail because if there was a criticism for the old models, there wasn't a ton of detail on them. Right, right. Yeah, I I gotta echo what the what the group is saying here about. I I think Cadian models was really the safe bet. Um, so there, which is kind of sad because it, it it does show that they were a little risk averse on doing something kind of wild and different out right. there. There, there's no elves riding kangaroos in 40k. Um, you know, that's a that's a joke for for us Sigmar guys. But uh, you know, uh, it's it's kind of a shame to see when there there's other model lines in the Games Workshop lineup where they're really pushing the envelope and being like, okay, let's just get wild here. Um, but they they seem, yes, battle cattle. Uh, they seem to be <laughs> taking kind of a safe bet. Well, and, and I think the, but there's a bit of a a problem too, is that the Imperial Guard represents not just the largest force that fights for the Imperium, but Traitor Guard represents the largest force fighting for Chaos. How come we've never had like a full release of Chaos Guard models? Yeah, it was, I know, Brandon, you were pretty disappointed with the, the Chaos Space Marine uh, upgrade line was that they really leaned into Chaos Cultists and not Chaos Space Marines. 
Yeah, when when I first got back into the game, you know, I had played Space Marines in high school, um, and so I kind of wanted to stick with something I knew to an extent, but I didn't want to just do Space Marines. I wanted to kind of do something different, and so I went with Chaos Space Marines, um, but it was just so heavily focused on cultists, uh, just running boatloads and boatloads of cultists, and to me, it was like, why am I playing... If I'm playing Chaos Space Marines, I want Chaos Space Marines on the board, not hordes of cultists. Uh, if I wanted to do that, I would try to play Traitor Guard, which doesn't really exist. I want my Marines with horns, damn it. Paul, Paul, you were muted, whatever you said there. Oh, I was just saying, yeah, I, I remember Cultist Chris. How many cultists did he end up running with his 8th edition list? Uh, well, my record of killing them was 145. In five <laughs> oh, turns. Yeah, that guy had a lot of cultists. That's crazy. <laughs> Heavy well, he he ran all the stratagems too, where you could just keep bringing them back and bringing them back and bringing them back and. I was sitting there running a bunch of heavy bolter havoc squads of iron warriors, just like okay, keep keep sending them into the blender. <laughs> yep, feed the meat grinder. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, I I want to talk real quick. I I want to talk real quick about. Uh, did you guys see that they just posted a match play guide for Adeptus Titanicus? I could get yes. some thoughts on that. Yes. Excited. Um, well, so well that... let me let me pull up the the release uh, deal here because I thought it does offer some specific stratagems. I think for each indiv- for a lot of the legios, it has some new maps and or, and deployment types, and it has um, uh, some more scenarios. Which, if if I have a criticism of the main the first book, I, it's very light on scenarios. And some of them right. to play, you need something like twelve war, uh, uh, twelve of the big guys. Which ones the um, the warlords? Warlords, warlords. Yeah, yeah, like twelve warlords. Well, who's going to do that? Me, the defense or player. <laughs> yeah. So, so real, real quick, let's go around the horn and uh, list off what Legio we play. So, I play um, uh, for loyalists. I play Legio Osadax. And when we had like a kind of a little uh, tournament last winter where we uh, we played like 2v2, basically. Well, we each played against one another and then we did like a, a 2v2 game at the end. And so for Loyalists, I play Legio Osadax and I've had a lot of fun with them. And then for Traders, I have been collecting some Legio Lanascara stuff. Brandon, what are you playing? Yeah, well, so my newest Titanicus pro- uh, project is that I'm going to be playing some Legio Astorum for my loyalists, the Warp Runners. Uh, I'm excited about that. I actually need one more Warlord, uh, and then I need to actually start putting them together to to get that going. Uh, but for, for traders, I, I run Legio Interfector, uh, affectionately known as the Murder Lords, uh, who I think take the cake for the most metal name in all uh, Warhammer. But uh, they're so much fun. Yeah, Yeah. and they're a ton of fun. Um, I love just letting my Titan go psycho in the middle of the game and just riding the lightning and seeing what happens. Uh, But I I have a lot of fun with them. Uh, Manipul, what are you playing? My Chaos guys, or uh, traitors, is Legio Mordaxis. And I just like the idea that they were turned traitor against their will. 
they were infected by a technovirus. And so it's kind of a tragic story. And I think that they, you know, in, in an alternate timeline, maybe they remained faithful. But but in this one, they have uh, lost all control of their of their their uh, titans and go into battle. And who knows if they are uh, just controlled by this technovirus or if it's the actual will of the war master or who knows what. But uh, they have some interesting rules where they have larger blasts and they can infect other titans around them. It's a very interesting sort of um, story. So I get them right away. And then the I've got a couple different um, guys I'm p- painting for the for the um, loyal side. Legio Crucius was one that I'm I started on. I think that is what I'm going to paint my uh, my big guy in the it's the the big uh, the Warmaster Titan. The big Warmaster Titan, yeah. And then those are the Warmongers. And what was my other one? The War Griffins. That's then they're they're kind of a neat paint scheme too. I'm not really familiar with their lore. I like the the blue and gold. Yeah, yeah, I, I know they're a pretty popular one uh, for right. people to, to paint. Uh, Paul, what about you? Yeah, so I have um, Legio Defensor, Nova Guard. So night fighting is the bane of my existence. Um, but yeah, interesting Legion. They're kind of the Imperial cult group. Their whole thing is that they put giant speakers on the fronts of their war machines and blast out the Letitio Divinitatis to everybody to try to convert everyone they're burning to cinders. So a lot of big boys with big guns. I, I've yeah. never heard a more Warhammer thing than let's convert <laughs> these right. people by burning them to cinders. <laughs> convert or die. I know I was really drawn to Legio Osadax because their their lore is that they had like um one of the it was like the second most popular or second most powerful forge world next to Mars. And when Kelbor Hal, the fabricator general of Mars during the heresy, caught wind of that, that like they were really picking up steam, at the outset of the Horus Heresy, um, he did some some very nasty things to the Osadax Forge world. And uh, after that it made them incredibly bitter. And so their whole lore is that their um, their princeps and their their titan commanders and, and legion brothers are just these. Uh, they they felt more stabbed in the back than even some of the primarchs. So their whole lore is just being pissed off to the point of this this sheer lethality. So they actually have a rule on the tabletop when they lose a model the rest of them get to up their reactor heat and then return fire. So, you know, you run a little guy up the center and when he dies, somebody's getting plugged because, you know, they're just that bitter about, you know, losing more Titans. So they're, they're lore about you know, just being angry and bitter about the, the heresy was really interesting to me. And then kind of the same thing with Lanascara was that they, um, they had like defended their world throughout the, uh, the age of uh, dark or the what do they call it the uh, long night or whatever um, the age of strife age of strife that's it um, they held out throughout the age of strife and then when the imperium came along they just kind of got absorbed and they lost all of that territory and glory that they had gained for themselves 
So they were kind of like, they felt pretty dejected about that. So when the War Master comes along and says, hey, you can have revenge on this um, Forge World, I think it was Forge World Garaya that basically took over their territory. Uh, Lanascara, uh, you know, just was champing at the bit to get after them. So I kind of feel like it was some cheap manipulation on the War Master's part. But, uh, you know, they, they're, they're, they're like trophy hunters. They, they fought these giant... Um, semi-aquatic beasts back in the the age of strife so it's it was pretty interesting to me i, I love that story of those guys going into the underwater caves and then yeah. using their harpoon spears to kill these things and haul <laughs> yeah. them out it's, yeah. it's a great image it's really neat yeah i was actually looking at um one of my co-workers does scrimshaw so i was gonna have him teach me how to do some scrimshaw and i was gonna order like a, a shark's tooth from online i was gonna scrimshaw the the lanascara um the Lanascara crest on a, on a piece of like whalebone or shark tooth or something. I think you can get a Megalodon tooth. I, I looked those up. They're pretty expensive, but we'll see. And I want to get some practice at it first. I remembered why I picked Legio Graphonicus. I, I rolled him. I rolled them on one of my little things I made, but I also have a sheet of waterside transfers. So that's why I <laughs> settled on them. Always a strong pick. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I really like, uh, you know, I like those guys like Legio Lanascara um, because I, one of the problems I think that we run into in the Warhammer lore is that everybody who falls to chaos is a tragedy. Like, there's always this, like, tragic element of them. Sometimes I just want guys who are like, we just really enjoy being bad. Right. So I, I think Lanascara gets it, it. Like I said, it's some cheap manipulation, but they were, like, legit pissed about losing all the territory that they had defended for millennia. And then the Imperium rolls in and is like, Hey, you can, you can fight us. Just know that you're going to get steamrolled. You can die with your honor or whatever, but if you join us, you can take part in the glory to come. I mean, you're not going to have the, the well-maintained yard that you've kept for a thousand years, but you know, who really cares in the long run, but Lana Scar was different. They were like, we want that back. We, we want our yard back. All right, real quick around the horn here to kind of wrap up our hobby news section that went off on a Titanicus rant, which is great. Uh, let's just go around and give me give me one thing that you're excited about and why. So we'll start uh, we'll start with Manipul. new new release that is new release. I already pr- professed my interest in the new Land Raider Proteus, which I'll probably be getting a couple of. But uh, I suppose I'm, I'm looking at these uh, graviton weapons for the for Titanicus. It's kind of got me interested. It's kind of a unique, different, weird, wild weapon from the Dark Age of Technology, and I love that stuff. So maybe I'll yeah. uh, you'll get a set of those. It's concussive and rending. Wow! So that's fun. Interesting. Paul, what about you? Yeah, I'm kind of just waiting for the uh, Heresy Imperium book to come out. I've got like 1500 points of 1.0 custodes and a couple assassins lying around somewhere. So waiting for that book to come out and see how broken they are. Very cool. Um, I think for me, um, the new world eaters models have really piqued my interest and I'm not, I'm not playing a ton of 40 K right now, but um, Brandon here says that he loves all things corn and collects all things corn, but he doesn't play world eaters. So I guess I'm just going to pull the Thanos meme and do it myself. <laughs> Good one. Are, are you gonna Are you gonna force me to start World Eaters as my my trader legion? 
Is that what no. is that what's going on here? Because I'm not I, I, I'm not playing 4K. I'm, I'm going to get the Angron model at least, and that um, the my in- jaw dropped when I saw that Lord Invocatus. Yeah, that so thing is amazing. I, that, one of the jokes I made is Invocatus is a big word for world eaters. I can't believe they went with that. <laughs> so. Um, I'll probably pick up one of those. Brandon, I know you said you were going to convert it for a Sigmar Lord on Skullcrusher or whatever. Yeah, I, I thought about doing that. I know for a fact I'll be picking up Angron. Um, I might right. just turn him into a regular Bloodthirster for Age of Sigmar. Uh, my goal for for Corn is to have eight Bloodthirsters converted of through many things. I currently am sitting on five, so nice. we're we're almost there. Uh, and then, as far as for me, the I, I echo Manipul here. I am so excited about the Land Raider Proteus. Different reasons. Uh, the reason for me being, as I got my book and box, Age of Darkness box, and I was so excited to start playing, and I built that Spartan because it's such a cool Land Raider, and I was like, oh, I can take this exactly zero times in any list. <laughs> So I need a Proteus. So I have already pre-ordered two. Is that because the points are so high? The points are so high, and there's so many units that I can't actually take it as a dedicated transport. Right. So I'm going to have to... Um, I was telling Paul before we got started, um, the Invictus Suzerain are back in stock on Forge World, so I'm going to order... I'm going to order them... And they can take a Proteus as a dedicated transport, so I'll need to get one or two as well. Yeah, once I saw those went up on pre-order and I saw the price on them, that was one thing I was a little bit worried about, is that they were just going to flub on the price and make it way too expensive to be practical. Um, It's right on the edge there for me, where I'm like, I can order a few. Really, I feel like you need a lot, but... Mm Where, Are uh, you thinking about putting any 3D printed bits on your Land Raider to customize it? That's something we have talked about 3D printing a little bit here and there, but are the parts good enough for that application? Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm lucky enough that I actually have a ton of Dark Angels bits, thanks to uh, our very own Paul here, who used to play Dark Angels in 40k. Um, but like on my Spartan, I actually took the you know, the dudes in hoods with wings on the bikes. Um, I've stuck those on the sides of my Spartan, so it's very Dark Angel-y. Uh, nice. But I'll, I'll probably add some bits. I You know, cool. I'd, I'd 3D print them if I found some. Um, haven't found anything that's jumped out at me yet. I know I you talked to me about getting some uh, transfers for my Dreadnought, and when I'm looking at my, my tanks, I'm going to be like, they're going to be really plain if I don't get some transfers for them. And, I'm kind of averse to the water transfers. I've never had great luck with them. I don't, um, I've kind of got mixed feelings on them altogether, but uh, I am going to go, I'll have to track some down because I know they're out of stock online, but I will have to find some of the all-terrain transfers to, to kind of dress up some of my vehicles. Yeah, I think the tanks are busy enough that you can get away with it, although they do look better when you put them on right. there. Uh, that dreadnought that comes in the Age of Darkness box is so blank that you just you gotta have something to, to break up all that right. empty flat space. Your dreadnought's looking great, but right. it just it needs that finishing touch. And I will say, if anybody's curious out there, I do have I did order the Forge World dreadnought, and I've been working on getting the arms from the plastic kits to fit 
And I have had success in making that happen with some magnets. So if you're worried about making your arms fit, you need a little bit of hobby skill to make sure that they go into the Forge World resin pieces, but it's not that big of a deal. Interesting. That was definitely a big question I had. Yeah, that is kind of curious because before we got started, or I guess I think it was last night, Brian and I were talking about the um, Forge World has the uh, Ultramarines Contemptor Dreadnought that's got all the iconography on it, but they don't sell the arms for it anymore. So at that point, like you, you 3D printing guys, like if GW is going to play that game, why aren't you printing your own arms, right? Oh, I've printed a whole Dreadnought. And there are there are quite a few third party arms out there. So I think that wraps it up for our hobby news. Have you guys been playing any games? I play. I've been playing some games. I've been losing some games. <laughs> I've lost some games. Yes. I have not gotten any games in lately. Well, that's no. That's no big surprise. So tell us about uh, your game. Yeah. So uh, I actually I played Paul today. Um, this would be our second game together in the new system. I've gotten a few more outside of that. I don't know if you have or not. No, uh, no, <laughs> no. I, but uh, we played. We played twenty five hundred points today. Um, I took uh, my Dark Angels. Uh, Paul took your your Sons of Horus. Um, I ran Marduk Cedrus uh, with a retinue of Inner Circle Knights. Um, and they were riding around in a in a Spartan. Uh, then I took two units of Stormwing Tacticals as my my troops. Um, I took a Contemptor Dreadnought and a Leviathan Dreadnought. With uh, both of them had Melta. And then I uh, I had I brought the Kratos because uh, I just got that put together. So I wanted to give that a try. Um, Paul, do you want to run through your list real quick? Yeah, um, so I ran Abaddon, ten Justarian, and then four squads of nine veterans and drop pods with apothecaries, uh, various power weapons and upgrades spread throughout. It, it was mostly just I had the drop pods, and I'd read the rules for Deep Strike and knew it was going to be bad, but figured, ah, let's give it a try, and... Yeah, you know, newsflash, no surprise for anybody, uh, Deep Strike's still really bad. <laughs> what's, um, for those of us that don't know, uh, what's bad about the Deep Strike? Deep Strike's really inconsistent. Um, there's a lot of RNG between choosing to do Deep Strike and then having it happen. And there's a lot of steps in between those choices that can go really wrong for you. Um, it's definitely better than the old Deep Strike because instead of a mishap table where units can just straight up die, it's now just if you mishap, your opponent gets to put the model down. Um, that didn't happen. We were very lucky. Well, I was very lucky that everything went off properly and I was able to put things down. But the other problem we ran into is you can't assault out of drop pods. So it was... I put the entire army down, everyone jumped out, and then just sat there for a turn, and I got blasted off the table. <laughs> Which, you know, I kind of knew was going to happen, but it was like, well, I just want to do this to try out the new Deep Strike Assault. It was interesting. <laughs> yeah, very importantly, I forgot to mention in my list that I took two squads of five Dreadwing Interrupters, which are the 
Dark Angels guys with the plasma flamethrowers. And one lesson that we learned right away was don't drop drop pods full of dudes directly in front of those guys <laughs> because they will die. Yeah. Well, I mean, we already knew that from our previous game. Those things are nasty. That just sounds dirty. Plasma th- flamethrowers? Are you kidding? Yeah. I, I'm telling you, you know, everything I've seen online, I you know, I, I watch a, a lot of the used tube and uh, I... Everybody has just been like inner circle knights, inner circle knights. They are just the business with Dark Angels. If you're not taking inner circle knights, you're wrong. I've never really gotten them to work, although I've talked to some other Dark Angels players and they've given me some ideas for how I need to kind of change up how I'm running them. Um, What I have gotten a lot of efficiency out of is a 150 point unit of Dreadwing Interrupters torching 700 points of my opponent's armies very regularly they are just filthy so what if you flip the script on what paul said and you put those guys with the plasma flamethrowers in drop pods could you reverse that script and would they be would that be the way to use drop pods i don't think the interrupters can take drop pods as dedicated transports um no, I, I don't believe they can either, because uh, I did think about that today. Um, and the other side of that issue is that they are an incredibly short range. They're, I mean, they're all template weapons. So if you scatter away from your opponent, you're just sitting there getting blasted anyway. Um, and also to couple that off, uh, there's a new reaction uh, in the system called uh, inter- Interceptor. So you are almost certainly going to get shot when you arrive. That's mm-hmm. that's just the name of the game with Deep Strike now. Yeah, that kind of ended up being the only counter I had was Sons of Horus have an advanced reaction where I get to shoot first if I'm targeted. So it was one of those things where he'd roll up with the Interrupters and go, I'm going to shoot this squad. And it's like, all right, well, I'm shooting you first. I'm taking you with me. And we'd end up trading. Uh, the only difference was, you know, my veterans were 300-point units with their upgrades, and his was 150, so he still won the trade, but at least I took him down. Right. Yeah, Deep Strike is one of those things I, I've played in a lot of different versions of 40k and, well, I guess 30k now, but it's something that I've never found as good as just strong deployment from the beginning of the game. Because there's so much randomness in there that it, it can it can be really swingy. Sometimes it's super good. It's just not as reliable. It seems like it ought to be. Yeah, I mean, I'm an old Raven Guard player from back in fifth edition, where I tried to run all assault marines and drop pods, and yeah, I was telling Brandon today that nev- army has a zero percent win rate because it'd just be like, all right, this drop pod went off the table and they died. Cool, that was half my army, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's tricky to pull off right. Yeah, I, I think there's a spectacle to the drop pod assault that I think we're all kind of enamored with, especially when you first get into the game. Because it's just really cool to envision your army being shot out the belly of a spaceship to just scream into combat and land right in your opponent's face. And the rules have just, they've never quite gotten it to to where it really works. I know I've had some success in Age of Sigmar because I play uh, Stormcast Eternals. They've they've got some cheese where they can. I think they basically just set down. They don't. The deep strike rules are very different than that. 
But um, I know back in fifth edition, Brandon, we played in high school. Um, neither one of us could really have great success with that. So um, that is one that maybe GW is just dropping the ball on that. I don't know what needs to be changed, but um, it does feel like it's not it's not reflective of the lore, so to speak. As soon as you give those units the ability to assault out of a drop pod, I think that breaks the game. So I don't know what the right middle ground answer is. Yeah, I think a big part of it is in 1.0, drop pods were actually really viable and super effective because there were several rights of war that gave bonuses. And uh, I don't think they let you charge out of drop pods, but there were other ways you could kind of get around that. And there was things like if you had like Horus for Sons of Horus, um, his whole thing was you didn't scatter when you drop down and a lot of other things. So you saw really effective drop armies. And I think they kind of overcorrected with 2.0 to be like, all right, we don't want that happening again because they don't want drop pod spam. They seem to really be pushing with a lot of the rules, a very infantry focused gameplay. Yeah. And I, I think it's a tightrope that you're really walking in the rules design when it comes to deep strike because it it goes from massively underpowered to way too good at the drop of a hat. Uh, I, I it's it's something that's very dangerous. And you know we were talking about Age of Sigmar, very different game. One of the rules requirements of that is that you have to be nine inches away from any enemy units, and that's just a mathematical equation of it's very hard to achieve two d two uh, a roll of a nine on two d six. Um, so that's that's all that is. I think 40k has the same system now. I really like the the 30k and more the old school 40k system of it was a very risk reward um, where I, I liked that scatter where you know you might not necessarily come down exactly where you intended to. It's kind of boring um, when it's okay, my guys are gonna arrive from deep strike. okay, they're just here. Yeah, that, that risk-reward aspect is most interesting to me because as a 40k player of Gene Stealer cults, I, there's been a lot of times where I've deep-struck my Gene Stealers and my, uh, my my big boys behind enemy lines and then rolled two or three ones in a row and not gotten that charge off, where it should be a sure thing. Here's my, my Gene Stealers, and they don't do anything, and then they just get shot. I don't know if uh, any of you guys remember, but it was either 5th or 6th edition where Space Marine Vanguard veterans got uh, heroic intervention. And that was basically, that was like a a um, a deep strike that would allow them to assault right at the bat, wasn't it? And you guys, am I remembering that wrong? I don't remember that. I ran a lot of Vanguard veterans in 5th edition and... They were freaking gross when they got into close combat. I ran them with a bunch of lightning claws, but yeah. the trick was actually getting them there, um, which turns out that they don't do well with plasma cannons. No, plasma cannons, heavy bolters, and the good old-fashioned conversion beamer were the bane of your existence in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's hear Manipul. You said you played some games. I'd like to hear about those. Yeah. Yep, I've got a buddy who got into 40k and it's a little bit of a drive to get to his to his place but he's got some really nice terrain and a bunch of really well painted armies he's the hobby guy that we all wish we were he paints a little bit every day 
And as a result, in the last few months, he's got four completely painted armies, which is pretty nice. That's awesome. Now, when I I wanted to run my Iron Hands down there, and he brought his uh, the Grey Knights. And all those Grey Knights can just cast Smite, right? So I didn't have nearly enough uh, librarians painted up to do anything about it, so I just said, well, I'm not going to bring any librarians at all. So he was casting Smite something like six or seven times every round. His rolls were very good, and when he needed a reroll, he had it. His range was good, and the number of wounds he was just dumping on my army was catastrophic just in the psychic phase. And then I just didn't have enough left to shoot him up because by the time, every time it came back around to my turn, I just didn't have enough guys left in the right spot. You say, Oh, you're really going to shoot me this round. And I said, with what? <laughs> and so that was kind of painful. I think I need to run a psych or heavy list against that. But as soon as I do that, he just brings his custodes. And then uh, it seems like some of those, those points are wasted on a custodes army, but so anyway, it was a. Uh, I've had a, a few pathetic losses there uh, over at his place, but I'm always always eager to play. Well, and I never blame the dice. What's the uh, the strength and AP on Smite? Isn't it like strength four AP? No, it's just mortal wounds. You just roll a dice, and it's, you just take that many mortal wounds. Oh, so that would affect like a, a an armored transport too, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. So he just he could target my. Dreadnoughts target my space marines. Target my uh, transports. Whatever it was that I that I was bringing, it just dumping just tons and tons of mortal wounds every round. That's brutal. Not much I could do against it. And iron hands are supposed to be tough. You know, they're supposed to weather this sort of stuff. But uh, it just was not not happening well, for me that day. Don't they get like bionics so they have like a six up invul save or something? Six up. But when you do the math on that, say like with each attack, he, say he does an average of three wounds. You get to roll three dice and try to get a six. It's just not. You, you might get, maybe you get one of them, and so it just was not. Uh, the math was so not working out for me. I guess like um, if you're not if you don't have psychers available, you'd probably want to run storm shields, right? So you'd get a three up invul save against those. Against mortal wounds. They don't get invul saves. Immortal wounds bypass your invul save. You only get your feel no pain. Oh man, that sucks. Okay. Yeah, well, then on top of that, he, he had a ton of shooting, and his melee was amazing with those big swords. Oh, yeah, man. yeah, fair enough. They were just yeah. I, I remember Grey Knights for a while. There were pretty oppressive. Mm-hmm. I think they've toned them back, but they're still really good. Well, I know Manipul. In a week or two, I'm going to be heading your way, and I'm going to bring some stuff so we can get a game in. Um, Should we I'm... take a, a deep dive into our 30k lists? I don't. I yeah. don't have one ready right now. Well, why don't we but take you a short break? Ahead. Why don't we take a short break and then we can uh, we can come back and take a, a dive into some lists. Sounds good to me. Sure, that works for me. Okay, welcome back, everybody. We've had quite a bit of fun doing this hobby roundtable. I'm having a great time anyway. I know you guys said you are too, but real quick, what is everyone drinking tonight? I'll start off. 
I'm drinking a Lightning Clues Oktoberfest. I forgot that I liked Oktoberfest, and um, I've toured that brewery when I was in uh, through Wisconsin a while back, so uh, I've had a lot of fun there. What about you, Brandon? Uh, I'm drinking the Nectar of the Gods. Uh, this is some Belveni 12-year double wood. Okay, very sophisticated, very, very modern, stuff. Very, very classy. Manipal, what about you? Well, in the uh, grim darkness of the far future, everyone drinks Amasek. And in my mind, Amasek is brandy. I don't know if that's true or not, but I went to the liquor cabinet and I found that there was a, a very cheap bottle of a Christian Brothers VS. And I'm drinking that tonight, slumming it a little bit, but it tastes good. Okay. Very nice. Imagine that I'm a guardsman who smuggled it in on a transport and traded some low sticks did, for did this you fine have, beverage. Did you have like a micro flask that fit in the stock of your las gun? Like, how did you smuggle it in? Like, really paint us a picture here. Oh, no. I, I paid one of the camp followers, some prostitute, and she, she got it from a, a higher ranking officer. Oh, okay. And I traded it off of her. Very colorful tale. It's too bad. It's too bad that your commissar rolled in, took the Amasek, drank it himself, and then shot you. <laughs> yeah, that's, well, that's, that's, a good, that's a good story, too. Can't win them all. Well, I didn't know we were partying like that, so I'm going to have to catch up. I was drinking coffee, but I guess I'm switching to gin, so let's grab what we Ooh. got here. I, I have trouble with gin, I'm not going to lie to you. I, the last time I drank gin... My friends had to pick me up off the lawn because I was holding on to the grass so I didn't fall off the planet. Yeah, see, that's tequila for me. I can handle my gin. Tequila, though, I, that's a dangerous I, time. I ate a scorpion out of the, the bottom of a bottle of tequila once, and I'll never do that again. <laughs> yeah, I remember that, and I wasn't even in the state. Because <laughs> I called you, didn't I? <laughs> you called me 26 times. I was having a blast until I didn't. <laughs> That's how she goes. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's get into lists here. Uh, who wants who wants to start off with talking some so lists? I'm I'm going to talk in very broad strokes because I've only got like a general idea of what I want to do. Uh, I know I've got this big beautiful Spartan. I've got ten uh, cataphractic terminators with lightning claws. So those just go together in my mind. I know the Ultramarine Centurion and Praetorians can get some really nifty ab abilities that help with like morale checks or pinning checks. I know in that demo game that you and I played the week all this stuff came out, Brandon, that really saved me in the game that we played. So um, I've got that in mind. I had really good luck with the uh, the unit of Volkites that I ran because the, uh, the, the rolling extra wounds really tore up your, uh, your uh, tactical squad. And I really like the the chainsaw bayonets because two points for a reroll reroll on wounds from just basic tactical marines is points well spent in my book. So I like all that put together. Um, I've got my Leviathan dreadnought all put together except magnetized. Um, so I guess um, breaking all that down, infantry is dealt with because. The, the Cataphracty Terminators, uh, they can't do the sweeping advance, but 10 Cataphracties with Lightning Claws won't need to. Um, vehicles or tanks, um, the Dreadnought's got that covered with a, um, a uh, 
what are they? It's the the melta bombard and a the close combat weapon. He's got that handled no no problem. Um, objectives I've got. I'm going to be running multiple tactical squads or like the tactical support squads that can spread out and capture objectives. So I think I've kind of got all the bases covered with that. And ultramarines, when you get them out on the table, are pretty flexible. So um, I don't. Uh, y- Brandon, you have a lot of success with your specialized units, but I think that ultramarines, just power armor and bolt guns, are good. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident in that. Two, two questions for you then. Um, at three thousand points, do you bring Bobby G? And yeah, absolutely. Do you take a right of war? And if so, which one? Uh, I, I would need to look more into that. I'm not super familiar with them right now because I've just been focusing on the uh, the modeling aspect of it so far, and I haven't gotten any games in around here. But at three thousand points, I think that's kind of a given, isn't it? Yeah. See, uh, Paul and I were actually ta- discussing this today, and I think it really depends on your legion and what rights they can take. Um, because you know, as as we talked about, Dark Angels um, with their with the wings of the Hexagrammaton. Um, they kind of benefit from not taking a right of war. Um, so a lot of the lists that I've been working around have been no rights of war. Um, whereas with Sons of Horus, I think every list you've made, Paul, has had a right of war in it. Yeah, it's kind of like we were talking about where if you're not running a right of war with a lot of the, especially the older legions like World Eaters or Sons of Horus, you're running basic marines with a legion tactic. Um, while Dark Angels have the flexibility from the Hexagrammaton to just be like, I don't need a right of war because all my guys are getting bonuses. And in fact, you're incentivized to because then you can mix and match where most of your right of wars force you to take one or the other, right? Yeah, Dark Angels ironically have the most rights of war of any legion. They have six, one for each wing of the Hexagrammaton. Um, But I, I do think that the, the, where they truly, where the power really lies, is outside of those rights of war, where you can mix and match. Now, the list that I'll be sharing later, I actually did take a right of war, um, specifically because I wanted to try and see if I could make a list that I liked while using a right of war. Okay. So I am um, like I'm, I'm glancing at the rulebook now, and I remember reading this early on when all this stuff uh, kind of got leaked. Is the um, the Logos uh, Lectoro? Uh, Lec- um, and that's the one that gives um, uh, the a unit can do like a full march or a hold fast or the the retribution strike, which kind of hamstrings your shooting, but it really ups your melee. So um, that that's kind of a go to right of war for ultramarines, I think. And if you're running um, Bobby G, especially, but I think um, Remus Ventarnus gets that too, and I've got him as well. Uh, either I think either one of them can take that. And uh, it would it would be a pretty pretty deadly list or a pretty deadly right to have to to combat. Yeah, I agree, and I think it kind of lays out your battle strategy for you. Um, you know what you need to be doing and, and what orders you can give, um, so you can set yourself up to to execute on those orders effectively. Yeah. Um, probably will take some doing, some practice games to get that all figured out, but. I think it, I think the Ultramarines actually have a pretty strong uh, custom right of war, um, and I, I'll be excited to see it on the tabletop. 
right? I need to, like, I need to, I've got a couple more things I need to get put together. And then I actually need to build a list because I've, I've just kind of been kind of throwing some models together. That's just how I am. But uh, it, I don't think it will take much for me to actually get in gear and start playing games. Well, I'll, I'll go next with, uh, with my list here, uh, if you guys would like. So as I, as I said, you know, we discussed today that I think Dark Angels thrive when they don't take a Rite of War, which is why I specifically took one. Um, so I, I wanted to see if I could make one that I really liked um, without, uh, or while, while using a Rite of War. Um, so the Rite of War I took was the Storm of War, which is the Dark Angels Stormwing right and what that right allows me to do is um i uh any tactical squads despoiler squads or assault squads taken as part of that detachment um numbering at least 20 models they can take a legion centurion who is just added into the unit um you can't take any console upgrades for them but they are still a centurion so weapon skill and ballistic skill five um and they can still take war gear as well um, the thing that the other thing is that um, any Stormwing character gets the stubborn special rule, so you're just taking leadership modifiers off the table when you do that. Um, then uh, there's some things about you can add uh, despoilers, tacticals. You can take them as elite choices. Uh, you can also take assault squads as fast attack if you so choose. Um, your limitations with this right are that uh, your compulsory troops have to be taken at max number, so 20 tacticals or despoilers, uh, whatever that may be. Um, you cannot take a dedicated transport for any tactical or despoiler squads. Um, there's no deep strike allowed, which, oh no, tragic. <laughs> and then... If this is the primary detachment, your warlord must either be a Stormwing warlord or be Lionel Johnson. So what I've taken here uh, to start off, I have taken the lion with the wolf blade um, because that's how I modeled him. Uh, I, I go for a very grimdark paint scheme on on my guys using all that those oil paints. So I think that, that him having a big-ass chainsword just really leans into that dark, gritty uh, aesthetic. Um, although I've been told that the lion sword might be a bit better in this edition, I, it doesn't bug me at all. Um, so then, uh, I've taken him, I've taken him with a detachment of Deathwing companions. Um, I've given a couple of them tyrannic great swords, and then three of them I've given the shields to, and they are all in a land raider Proteus with no upgrades. What, what do those swords do? Uh, so the Tyrannic Greatsword is a Strength plus 2, AP 3, Breaching 5 up, Murderous Strike 5 up. Uh, Good golly. Yeah, so they're, they're really efficient for 5s, um, because then you get to AP 2 and Instant Death. Um, right, that, they sound straight up vicious. They, I, I can get into this a bit. They, they are very vicious if you roll a 5 up on the wound. If yeah. not, you're not killing elites. Yeah. It, the games we've played, it has come into play and done some extra kills. It Sons of Horus have a weapon with breaching 5-up too, and it is that thing of like, 5-up is nice, it's not good enough that you can count on it. 
So if you're throwing it into something with a two up armor save native, you're kind of struggling a lot of the time because they're just going to get their three up armor if you don't roll that five up. Yeah, I know, Brennan, that that first game that you and I played when I was uh, down in your area, um, uh, my Centurion and your Paladin got into a duel. And if you had rolled one five in that duel, you would have had the game. But without that five, I, I walked away with it. I think based on that one duel, right? Yeah, and you know, it's really great because your strength six, so you're you're wounding marines on twos, but it's that's doesn't do a whole lot for you. Um, in our game today against Paul, um, I threw you know the uh, the inner circle knights. They come with the tyrannic greatsword base, so I threw a unit of those into his veterans, and he tanked like seven saves off of his artificer armor because I couldn't roll that five up to just instant kill that sergeant. Um, which was really, really annoying for me. <laughs> so, but uh, I'll I'll move on with the list here. So my my other HQ choice. Um, I I don't know if you guys have noticed this, and maybe I'm playing this wrong. Um, but with the way the Force Org chart works, since Primarchs are their own slot, from what I can tell, you still need an HQ choice. So I have taken a Centurion who I have upgraded to a Vigilotter, which is the Master Sniper. Um, so he comes stock with a Nemesis Bolter that's rending two up um, and Mastercrafted. Um, then for my troops, I have taken two tactical squads. Uh, I have given the Sergeant Artificer Armor a Calibanite Warblade. Uh, Calibanite Warblades are just a power sword with plus one strength. Um... And then 20 Legionnaires, I've taken a Vexilla, a Augury Scanner in each squad, and I have also given them all Chain Bayonets. Oh, and I've given the Sergeants Volkite Serpentas, because that's what I modeled them with. And then my last troop is a five-man Recon Squad with Nemesis Bolters and an Augury Scanner. Uh, in my elites, I've taken two apothecaries. They have artificer armor uh, and Volkite chargers. Uh, I have taken a contemptor dreadnought talon um, with two contemptors with melta cannons. Uh, then I have taken a dreadwing interemptor squad with a in in a rhino. They have artificer armor, a plasma incinerator. And three Phosphex bombs. Oh, with those tactical squads, I have upgraded them each to have a Centurion as per the Rite of War. Uh, that Centurion has a Tyrannic Greatsword for each one of them. And a Combi Melta, just to have that little nasty... Oh, no, sorry, I read that wrong. Combi Disintegrator, just for a nasty little surprise. Love that. And then the last, uh, the last thing I have taken is a Kratos which is Iron Wing, and I have taken it as um, with the Flare Shield, the Laz Cannon Sponsons and Hull Weapons, and the Battle Cannon with Flash Burn Shells. So all of that totals out to 3,000 points on the nose, and I would love to hear all of your thoughts. Go through the three questions about infantry, tanks, and objectives. How do you deal with those three pieces? Okay. So infantry, 
I have a lot of answers to. Um, the tactical squads at 20 guys in Stormwing, they're hitting on twos. They're wounding Space Marines on fours. Um, if they're standing still, they're making a Fury of the Legion shot, so they're adding an extra shot. Um, that's for the guys who kind of stay a little bit far away. The Dreadwing Interrupters can basically torch any infantry they get close enough to. They're in that Rhino to keep them safe. Um, and then as a last uh, resort, I also have the Kratos or the Contemptors who can take care of that. Um, my elites, the Lion will shred any elite that he's in combat with, along with those Deathwing companions. Uh, they're pr pretty protected in that Land Raider. Um, and then what was the next two? Tanks and what? Ob objectives. Okay. Um, so objectives, my ta my two tactical squads and my recon squad all have line. Um, so they can take objectives. Everything else has denial. Um, so I can hold at least three objectives. Most of the games, I think five is the max that I've seen for games for objectives. And then as far as tanks go, I've got the Kratos. I've got the Melta on the, uh, the Contemptors. Um, I think that, and then, you know, worst comes to worst, the lion can, can take a tank as well. Um, and, and he's in a land raider. So I've got some las cannons there as well. That seems pretty solid. What about, what do you think is your, your most expensive unit? Is it that Kratos when it's all put together or is it the Primarch with his retinue? It's the Primarch with his retinue by a large margin. Uh, the lion is 460 points by himself. Now, the nice thing is that with the Deathwing Companions, they have a special rule that precision shots just straight up do not work. So even though he's oh, a Primarch, you can't shoot him with precision shots. Interesting. And run again, you said you were taking the right award. Refresh me on what that right award does. So that right award, basically, um, what I'm using it for is those, those Stormwing squads of tacticals taking those centurions and those apothecaries with them they have uh they'll gain stubborn okay mm -hmm. and it sounds like the game really does like the apothecaries they seem to do quite a bit of work is that true oh man apothecaries are awesome um especially you know you get something like the these 20 man tactical squads if you can park them on an objective uh with heart of the legion you're now looking at a at a four up feel no pain thanks to that apothecary yeah, I think another thing to note with Heresy in particular is the game seems to be really designed on the idea of loading up squads with a lot of upgrades, which means you end up with some pretty high-costing units. I mean, Justarian for Sons of Horus are base 50 points before upgrades. You know, so having a Primus Medicae in that squad just means that you're less likely to lose those points quickly. It just helps extend the longevity of your guys. Yeah, it seems like a solid list. I'm curious to see how it um, how plays against a few more opponents. What do you think is your... What army don't you want to go against with that one? Is there something? Honestly, I don't want to go against Alpha Legion. So I don't oh. want to go against you. Um, I, I played a, a guy playing Alpha Legion, um, and he took a lot of sniper units. He took those headhunters... And then they have a character who is just nasty with his sniper rifle. 
Um, so this, I mean, this list, it requires those tacticals. Those tacticals are relying on those characters to get all those buffs and benefits. So when you're just like, give me that Apothecary, give me that Centurion, right. I mean, that's a lot of power taken off the table for them. Now, the idea being at 3,000 points that I'm not so reliant that they have to carry the day they went, the way that I was at 1,500. Um, because I've got the Primarch out there. I've got you know, his land raider, I've got the Kratos and the Contemptors. Mm -hmm. The, the armies that I do want to go up against are the ones that want to come to me. So black reaving sons of Horus, um, you know, world eaters, whoever wants to come across the table and get into combat. If I've got objectives in my zone and I can set those, uh, those tactical marines on them that is just a lot of bolter fire coming at your way and you're got even on a two up save you're gonna roll some ones mm -hmm. sounds like a good list yeah absolutely i think you've got a really good all comers list right now but like you said you got to watch out for those headhunters but I, I think i think that could be said for literally anyone if you've got if you're going up against that really nasty um sniping that alpha legion's famous for then uh you're in for a, a really rough fight yeah, I played around with a no Primarch list where I actually... You can't put those guys in a dedicated transport, um, but you can put them in a transport. So I had played around with using my two open heavy support slots to bring two Spartans. Um, but I I don't know. I'm not sold on the Spartan yet. It hasn't performed in a way that really makes me want to bring one, uh, especially for a crux point in a list the way that it would be in a list like that but yeah so that's that's the list i'll be interested to try it out um i still have some things that i need to put together to to run it um but i have i have all the models bought for it so it should be fun all right uh paul uh manipul i know that you really want us to dig deep into your list here so let's let's save yours for last so let's let's jump to paul okay. yeah so like i was talking about we're doing sons of horus um I guess things to note up front with Sons of Horus is they tend to be all-rounders. They're kind of jack-of-all-trades. They have mild bonuses to shooting. They have good bonuses to close combat. So they do tend to lean more on the melee side, but they can kind of do a little bit of everything. Um, and so a lot of the lists that you'll see kind of capitalize on that with units like Veterans or the Justarian. Um so the list I'm going with, I mean, most people are running the Black Reaving because Reavers are really good, especially when they get line. But just for a budget option with what I had, I'm going to be going Pride of the Legion, at least until I can get some Chain Axes. Um, so the generic list is going to be, I got Abaddon as the Warlord with a Primus Medicae and Cataphracty Armor. Uh, Abaddon's going to be taking a retinue of Justarian. Um, I'm still playing around with the actual numbers. I've been running a 10-man squad, but that puts that whole unit at like 1,000 points with upgrades. So that's a pretty steep uh, price to pay, even for how effective they are. Um, generally, you're looking to run Thunderhammers if you have them. Uh, that Brutal 2 is just nasty in combat with anything you go up against. Um, 
and you know being strength eight or with furious charge strength nine, um, they're going to be instant deathing basically anything, um, at least in the standard marine format. For players who are new to it, how does instant death work? So, if an attack has the instant death keyword or the murderous strike keyword, or is double the toughness of the model, it causes instant death, which is instantly removed from play um, after saves are made. Uh, does instant death specifically say you can't take an armor save just in vol, or is it you can still take your armor yeah, save you if can, it doesn't You can have take the your armor save if it doesn't have the AP. What you can't do is you can't take a feel no pain. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just you're able to delete models um, without any hassle. And then Brutal 2, for anyone who isn't aware, is that the successful attacks cost two wounds instead of one. Um, so even against things that you're not getting the instant death on, you're doing double the damage for every attack coming in. Um so yeah, it's been the favorite on over power fists or chain fists or any of the other weapons. Uh, speaking of breaching five, the Justarian do come stock with the Sons of Horus unique war gear, which is the Karsoran power axe. Um, it's strength user AP three breaching five up. Um, it's nice. The issue is if you're going against anything where the AP three inherent is good, the breaching five up does nothing. And if you're going against anything that's AP that's armor two, the five up breaching is not consistent enough for you to get through their armor save. Uh, so it's kind of like the tyrannic greatsword thing, which is you're kind of in this weird spot where you're not getting the use out of the weapon properly, depending on the matchup. Um, the best use I've seen for it is you put it on a sergeant and you have him challenge other sergeants in artificer armor, and you're just fishing for the five up to cut through his armor save and try and put him down, and then you put something else on the rest of the squad. So I just go Thunder Hammers. In the games you've played, have those challenges played a large role in the outcome of the battle? Yeah, they have been. <laughs> um, speaking again about uh, the Tyrannic Greatsword, I think I murderous striked... Was it a paladin that I killed? Yeah, yeah, you killed my paladin. Yeah. You had a tyrannic greatsword, and you passed yeah. your invulnerable safe on my murderous strike. Yeah, and then I hit him with mine, and he did not. So, uh, yeah, instant death and uh, challenge. It's it's nice if you... It depends on the matchup. It's If they have something worth taking and you have something that can go after it, you definitely want to be issuing those challenges. Um, if there's not a target of opportunity that you want to single out, it's better to put the attacks on the squad so you're not wasting the extra damage. So as far as those axes go, I know my Invictus Suzerain and some of my other models get the Legantine axes, and we were talking about this before we started, but they're strength user AP2, and they don't have breaching at all. So it seems like that um, the AP2 is... it kind of supersedes your uh, your axes, doesn't it? Yeah. Because they're, they're not reliant on inconsistent fives. Right. Yeah, I okay. mean, yours, it's anything you go against is not getting an armor save. 
anything okay. I'm going against has a 33% chance to not have an armor save. Do okay. those Legantine axes, do they have unwieldy? They do nope. not. Nope, they're regular. They're, uh, like, they're That's yeah, good the, the Suzerain yeah. are really good right now. That is I'm, really I'm gross. Definitely going to be ordering them. The trade-off is you lose the plus one strength of the power axe. But I'll, I'll take it's it. an AP2 <laughs> shot at initiative. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, they're they're pretty nasty. Yeah, and that that's the big thing with the, the power axes. Because um, I think... And, what was it? We went against... I think it was a bad matchup, but it was like a contemptor against some veterans. And it was, you know, he got his armor save on anything because I think I only rolled like two breaching hits. And then he just made his invul on those anyway, so... <laughs> But contemptors are kind of in their own category anyhow. Contemptors are in a league of their own at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> Contemptors are pretty nasty. Um, but yeah, speaking of veterans, we've mentioned them a lot. So kind of going off of the jack-of-all-trades, master of none, the veterans seem to really shine with Sons of Horus. Um, the loadout I've seen a lot is you run the ten veterans, you run them with a power weapon, and you run them with some sort of uh, shooting thing. The budget option is to go Bane Strike, which is another unique Sons of Horus thing. Um, although the sort Alpharius of more... gets those two. Yeah, so the lore <laughs> is that the Alpha Legion gifted Bane Strike bolts to the Sons of Horus before the Heresy. So they started using them. Um, which is why we both share that. And they're decent. It's Strength 5, AP 4, Breaching 6 up. Um, so another breaching round, it's an 18 inch rapid fire shot. So you have to get really close to use them. Um, but sons of horse want to get close cause they want that melee. So it kind of works out, although it does mean you're really lacking in range with a lot of your units. Um, the more popular option that's kind of transferred from 1.0 is you see 10 man squads with combi weapons of some kind. Uh, I've seen combi Volkite a lot, mostly because it's cheaper than the Magna Combis, and the Deflagrate can do just a crap ton of wounds to whatever hits it. Um, but yeah, it does, the one downside with it is it does mean your squads are going to be, you know, upwards of 300 plus points. Um, I think I was running the budget Bane Strike today with Brandon and they were 318 for a 10 man squad. It's 25 points per veteran. Uh, and I was running nine instead of 10. So it just means every time somebody goes down, it really hurts. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, 10 man squads with apothecaries and rhinos. And I think after that, you're left with a couple more points. Um, I think I take a Spartan for Abaddon and the Justarian just to get everybody across. Um, I mean, it's the type of army where melee is king, but you have to get to it. And so if you're matched up against somebody who's really good at keeping you away, you're going to have a really bad time. It's kind of one of those things where it's, it's all or nothing. It's reliant very much on getting into that combat. But once you do, you're going to cut through anything you touch. So it's a little tricky. Okay, so I'll, I'll pose the same questions here that Manipole posed to me. How do you deal with infantry? How do you deal with tanks? And what do you do for objectives? Yeah, so 
Infantry-wise, you're pretty set with any of your matchups. Um, the veterans with power weapons. Like I said, you're either running dual lightning claws or that Karsoran power axe on the sergeant for challenges, and you're just trying to wreck targets of opportunity. The rest of the squad, you can kind of play around with anything. I've been doing power swords. Um, you still get the AP3, so you're cutting through standard infantry, but you it doesn't have specialist weapon like the Karsoran power axe, so you're getting the dual wielding attack, um, which means your standard veteran on the charge is going to be four attacks, strength four, AP three. Um, so I think you we... also have you also have rending six up on those. Oh power yeah, swords. rending six up. Yeah, which I mean, it means that when you're, I think we were going up tactical marines on my veterans, and I think I wiped full squads in a single round just from the amount of attacks that were coming through. Um, and then the Justarian, again, if they can get into close combat, they they delete anything. Their weapon skill 5, you know, strength 9 on the charge, AP 2, brutal 2. So yeah, it's just, they'll delete anything they touch. But again, it's just getting there. That's the trick. <laughs> okay, what about tanks? Is uh, Justarian? Tanks, Justarian... Um, you have, I've been running a lot of Melta just sort of smattered through everything. Um, like I take the multi Meltas on the Justarian. I was playing around with Melta guns on the veterans. It was nice against rhinos. It doesn't seem to really do too much against anything else. Um, full squads of combi Melta for the veterans would be nice, but you know, that's an extra hundred points on the squad. So it's a bit of a steep price point. Let's not forget that the, uh, the land Raider Spartan is rocking some heavy last yeah. cannons. So there it's, it's not to be underestimated and they, the last cannons basically cover the board. They're strength nine. So I, I think that's something that often gets overlooked in list building it. Yeah. It's a dedicated transport, but it's packing quite a bit of heat. Yeah. It does make it a big target, but you know, if you can get some use out of it before it goes down, it's, it's definitely like, worth its points. And with a flare shield and front armor 15, it, it can survive a right. fair bit. Now, for players who might be used to 40k, do tanks in 30k have a facing? Or can the weapons shoot all around? Uh, yeah, they do have facing and uh, firing arcs that you have to worry about. So on those Spartans, you're only maybe only going to get one half of the tank shooting at a time. Is that right? Yeah, it'll kind of depend on how you have it positioned. It it is very much old 40k. So if you're if you're coming from that, it'll be you know like riding a bike. You just have to get used to it again. But if you're a player who started in eighth edition, it it is going to take a little getting used to. You have to worry about positioning a lot more than you do in ninth edition. Yeah, and, and let's talk about those those land raiders for a second. One of the big values, because you're absolutely right, is um, and what I've found with with running, I've run my Spartan in a couple of games now. Is even if I there's something I really want to shoot at, but I can only realistically get one facing of those turrets. It's such a wide base that I just can't get the both facings into that whatever that target is. But land raiders have power of the machine spirit, so not only can they fire both their weapons after going their full movement. They can pick multiple targets, which is a value that I really don't think you can underestimate. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, even if you, um, 
you know, e- even if you can only get a bead on one vehicle with half of your, you know, with one of your sponsons, even if you're taking a shot at a, you know, just a squad of space Marines, that's like what it, they get, what, two or three shots per sponson? Two shots, twin lengths. So you're re-rolling your hits. So that's two dead space Marines right there. So, I mean, could could be two dudes with uh, missile launchers, uh, las cannons, missile launchers, whatever. So it's uh, it's pretty handy. Yeah, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, we were talking about objectives um, with Pride of the Legion. Two of the veteran squads um, will have the line keywords. So they'll be scoring. And um, I guess I didn't mention this, but taking the Justarian as a retinue allows you to take a standard, which bumps them up to leadership 10 and gives them the line keyword, which, you know, Abaddon with uh, a group of scoring Justarian is uh, a pretty nasty thing. Um, But in terms of objective play, it's not a very defensive army. Again, kind of like Brandon was talking about earlier, where he likes to go against armies that have to come to you. This army is very much designed to move across the board as quick as it can and try to push you off of your objectives more than hold your own. Yeah, that that uh, it, it seems like a pretty solid list to me. Um, like you said, your your uh, shortcoming is going to be the defensive game if that's if that's the scenario you're on. But other than that, I think it's pretty good all comers list. Yeah, it's a fun list. Um, the other nice thing about it outside of like, you know, some of the stuff like the weapon options is that list is entirely the age of darkness box, Abaddon and some rhinos. So it's really cheap to put together, okay. uh, which is why you're seeing a lot of it as opposed to like the black reaving, because again, they don't make chain axes. So if you're doing the black reaving, which is probably better, it takes a lot more customization and a lot more, money to put it together but this list it's literally just the box 3d printer go (laughs) yeah yeah so i'll be i'll be excited to see how that goes with the rhinos uh you know after the failed drop pod experiment (laughs) (laughs) yeah well i i guess we should say real quick on that uh before when i said deep strikes really bad I should clarify an entire army that deep strikes is really bad deep striking still has its place but uh, when you're doing the entire army deep striking, it goes from high risk, high reward to very high risk, no reward. <laughs> so that's kind of the trade off there. All right. Well, thanks for that. Uh, Manipul, let's hear about how we are all Alpharius. Well, yeah, that's m- might be more true than you know, because the temptation with playing the Alpha Legion is that you will find out what your enemy is running and their nastiest unit and then just paint one up and have it in your army too. Because we can do that with the with their special rule. So I'm thinking, oh, maybe I should get some of those Justerans. Oh, maybe I should run some Hexagrammaton you should, sorts you of should, models. <laughs> you should get some Sun Killers for the Empress Children. I can't find that that rule anywhere. Where is that? Oh, I will, send, I will send it to you. And that is the unit you take if you're not making friends. I yeah. swear, <laughs> I've, I've, I've downloaded every sort of uh, download that there's possible. I cannot find those those guys you keep telling me about. They're yeah, in I'll, the I'll legacy PDF. I thought I'd look through that. Yeah. Anyway, I will say that putting together these 
army list for for 30k has been really nerve-wracking because it scratches a couple of really big itches for me and that when i say that i mean my favorite thing about warhammer is that you can make your army in almost any other game that we play you're always playing someone else's army like i think we've all played war machine at some point haven't we or hordes all those are named characters that you know a lot of them already have their own backstory all set up but in a Warhammer, you've always been able to make your own leader, your own units that are that are very specific and unique. And particularly with the ability to make your custom consoles, or uh, what's the word? I'm not using the right word. The centurions. Centurion. Your custom centurions. I've been going through trying to convert every single one of these options for my legion. And it's so tempting to run three or four of them. But you can't. Because you're limited to these two HQ choices in a standard uh, a standard army list, so I really had to pare this down from what I want to do. Now, I start, of course, with Alpharius, because in a three thousand point game, I think he's just very good, and he's going to give this army a few little uh, interesting tricks that it's going to rely on. Now, once Alpharius is out of the way, I'm going to fill up those two HQ choices with Exodus which is the nasty snapper guy you guys have kind of been talking about. He's an HQ choice, and he has this weapon called the instrument, which has two different ways of shooting. You can have a range 24, strength 7, AP 2, but that sucker is assault 3, sunder, and pinning. And then the execution shot is the long range 72, which is anywhere on the board. And it is heavy one, sniper, sunder, pinning, and deadly aim. And so that gives it the brutal two rule. Boo. And Boo, that, that thing is, that thing is <laughs> freaking crazy. He's so, so yeah, good. It seems like an auto take because he, the, the main thing is, too, if, if he's shooting at a unit, he's getting these pinning. He's pinning them all over all day. And then pinning is, is a pretty serious um, handicap to a unit that might be trying to get to an objective or do something interesting somewhere else. You just say, no, you have to sit still. So he's there, and then I've got a, a, a Praetor, because I had to have a Praetor. I'm just going to give him some basic equipment, put him with one of the squads who's going to sit on an objective later. That's not the most interesting thing in my list, but I have a Praetor. Now, does it? what you were saying before, Brandon, is it true that we have to have a Praetor in the list, or could I switch that out for what is a Centurion? Yeah, well, so um, if you want to run a right of war, you just need someone with Master of the Legion. Now, Praetors so have Master of the Legion, but so does Alpharius. So I personally, if I'm bringing a Primarch, I don't bring a Praetor because I don't see the point of it. So then I'm going to switch him out for a um, my special saboteur. I can make a console that's a saboteur. He's just going to, you can't shoot at him until he shoots at you. So I'm just going to give him uh, some... He's got some nasty bombs and a nasty gun, walk up and just cause havoc and force people to, de to deal with him. So that's going to those two HQ slots. For my elites, I'm going to... I've got one apothecary in there now. I think I can squeeze two if I make some other changes because the apothecaries seem like they're so useful. I do have a Contemptor Dreadnought in there. And it sounds like the best way to run these guys is with a, a Power Fist and a long-range weapon. I got some Volkite Dual Culverins, so I'm going to give him a Power Fist and Dual Culverin, because I just like the Volkite weapons, because they look cool. 
and that will be going after some uh, infantry, I think. Yeah, the the Volkite weapons are really good for dealing with squads. I, that's that's the that is the result that I have had anyway. Mm-hmm. So then. The interesting thing about Alpharius, and this I had to look and look and look to see if I was right. He does not have the bulky rule. So even with all of his armor and all his cool stuff, he just counts as, as a one uh, pri- Primarchs automatically have bulky. Oh, they're bulky. So, okay, yeah, well, the, the, the Primarchs have their own list of three? rules. Yeah, they have their okay, own okay. list bulky of four, rules. maybe. Yeah. Right, yeah, so that's they, why they take we're a talking lot of space. About. Okay. But anyway, the idea is that he would go with his Lernian Terminator squad in a Spartan. And I think they can fit there. I might tweak that a little bit. But um, the Lernians are cool Sp- because Spartans they Spartans have a ton of space. You'll be able to fit them. So the Lernians, they get um, preferred enemy, I think, Hydran Exemplars. So you pick another Legion you're fighting against. And basically they get a plus one to all hit rolls made against those models. So if I'm going against Brandon, I just say Dark Angels this time, and they get a plus one to hit with their uh, power axes or with their uh, Volkite weapons. I think they come modeled with uh, Volkite culverins. Okay, so then we move into the troop slot, and I really like the assault squads because you can give them a lot of extra stuff. You can give them plasma pistols, you can give them a special weapon, you can give the the uh, sergeant, his own stuff too. And they come with all the grenades. So I've got a guy with a pl- chainsword, plasma pistol, two of those. A guy with a bolt pistol and a heavy chainsword. And then the sergeant is tooled up with a plasma pistol. So that's a bunch of plasma weapons in there, which I think are going to be interesting for taking on those two wound models that are um, in a lot of guys' armies. Two tactical squads. And they're going to be pretty standard the the one tactical squad will probably have uh it'd be in a, in a rhino the other one will be on foot they're just going to have uh, bolters and they're they're pretty bog standard i try to keep them as cheap as possible they're going to sit on an objective and the benefit they get is they're always look two inches further away than than they really are so i'm going to use that to my advantage to try to skirt around terrain hold on objectives that you then can't uh, shoot me at uh, the headhunter kill team seems pretty uh, standard in these armies as well, uh, be- but like um, uh, Paul said, that the the range is a little bit limited on those, and so it's tempting to go and just run regular seeker squads with the sniper rifles, uh, with the um, nemesis bolters, because the nemesis bolters have a seventy-two inch range, and that's a very interesting way to run those. But the headhunters head are good, so I might play around with that. Now, in most of the Alpha Legion armies I've seen, they tend to run very infantry heavy because of the different rules that they get because of their Primarch. The, the, the troops are very good. But with a plain 30k for the first time, I wanted to really splurge and get some cool big stuff. So I went ahead and got a Kratos. I'm still working on how that's going to be kitted out, but it'll probably have a flare shield, Last cannons, the the main gun with the extra, uh, what do they call those? The the fire shells. What are those things called? The flash burn shells. The flash burn shells. Yeah, the, that battle cannon seems like it's the best value. The, it, I may decide to go with the melt up version, but I think that's that's going to be fine there. 
Then I went ahead and got a Fire Raptor gunship and from Forge World. That model is pretty sweet with Tempest rockets and autocannon batteries, and it's going to shred a lot of stuff. Now, the reason I went with those two big things at the end, with the Fire Raptor and the Kratos, is that Alpharius gives this rule to his legion, which is everywhere and nowhere. Before the start of the battle, he can give any one of the following special rules to himself. Infiltrate, Scout, or Deep Strike. Then he selects three other friendly units that have the same rule. So does that mean I can Deep Strike my Kratos? Yeah. Yeah, it does. And a <laughs> um, little, little quick side tangent story here. Um, the Alpha Legion Advanced Reaction, which I know you know, allows you to redeploy a unit. Yeah, and I then have... redeploy it, yeah. Yeah, well, I have had a Predator tank disappear from out in front of me. And so my LAS cannons just went into nothing. Yeah, that's only once per battle, but that could be game-changing. If you're going to lose that big tank, put it somewhere else, and then shoot something else. It's amazing. At, Alpha Legion is gross, man. Like I, I don't have other words for it than Alpha Legion is gross. What you're running sounds good. It sounds like you've got a lot of threats. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't sleep on those headhunters. Uh, they have the short range. They can give the business. I've I've been on the receiving end. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's kind of hard to pin that list down because it's it's a little shysty and it's you've got a little bit of everything, um, and you can be anywhere you need to be. Uh, it seems like a great all comers list. You're not going to have any problem dealing with heroes. You're not going to have any problems dealing with vehicles. You're not going to have any problems dealing with uh, like hard units, like you said, with all that plasma you're running, and you know uh, ob- objectives. You it seems like you've got plenty of manpower to spread out and take objectives. So that's that's a really interesting list you've got there. Yeah, and I think I, I may struggle with the objective piece a little bit, but with an assault squad that can jump around, a tactical squad and a rhino, and another one on foot probably running with that um, apothecary i think i'll be all right but would you guys put an apothecary for sure with the terminators well terminators can't take an apothecary they needed a primus medicae oh right right right. okay mm-hmm. yeah which um, i think you have an extra hq slot for it yeah you, you have, have three hq slots okay um now i will say this you have a lot of stuff in that list and a lot of it i'm afraid of okay so like that's i think i think you're really on to something there i will say to go into a bit of a power gamer thing you got the tactical squads if you're looking for nemesis bolters and still need to fill your troop slots you could go recon squads because then you get your nemesis bolters they also have shroud bombs which stack with your legion trait um shroud bombs are when they're shot at they count as six inches further away which means for Alpha Legion, anyone aiming at them has to add eight inches to the range. <laughs> oh, that's disgusting. Yeah, yeah. Ex- Exodus has that too. Yeah, that guy. That guy's the biggest asshole on the face of the planet. Yeah, so you just park <laughs> them in the back, seventy-two inch range, and everybody's having to get eight inches closer to try to shoot them. Well, no. What you what you do is you park them in the back, seventy-two inch range. Take some augury scanners and then call night fighting. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like any of that at all. Yeah, it's, it's Alpha it's Legion gross. is nasty. <laughs> yeah, they're they're horrendous. 
Um, yeah, and like it's 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 an interesting thing that you're doing there. You know, as, as a Dark Angels player, one thing that I have found is that I had a lot of analysis paralysis uh, because I have a lot of options through the Hexagrammaton for things to to take. It doesn't even come close to what you have with Alpha Legion because you have access to every unit in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my for the the idea of, of splashing stuff in is very interesting to me because then. That's going to kind of roll into our next question of what is would your next legion be, and that that's a lot of that's opens up a lot of possibilities because I thought about getting in like an Iron Hands Leviathan Dreadnought in there just as another heavy hitter with all the Iron Hands you know abilities on it, but there's so many different ways you could you could run that because I think that's a totally different list though because now you're going to try to push heavily on these benefits you get from running a right of war with maybe three of them, you know, and you try to get something that the other armies bring in that they're super good at. And so your enemy has to deal with that threat. Then once they're all dead, because that's what you want to do with that right of war is get them all killed. And then you hop in with all of your alpha legion that have a whole different set of tricks. That's a very interesting question to ask. How does that yeah, one play? thing, one thing to be careful of is, um, with that, with those trader units that, that you have access to, you need to be very careful about which uh, abilities you're you're banking on. Because, for example, I know that like uh, if you take trader dark angels, um, you do not get the hexagrammaton. So, okay. um, you just look at that. So make sure that there's not an ability that you're like, oh, this would be really powerful to add into my list and it turns out you don't actually get access to it because it's like their allegiance ability or whatever yeah because they they lose their own legion keyword when they do that yeah okay gotcha yeah technically they they drop their legion keyword and gain alpha legion for their legion trait um but you keep the war gear and any war scroll stats they have and equipment Mm -hmm. gotcha yeah, no, it sounds like a great list. Um, I'll be excited to see you put it into action, preferably not against me. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's uh, let's get into our, our, our last our last uh, section here, which is uh, you know we're all we're all running legions here, uh, but you know we we've kind of been talking about this outside of the podcast of what would you do next? Uh, you know, if you if you got done. If you decided, okay, I've done what I want to do with this Legion, I like the list that I have, it's all painted, it's time to get to something else. Um, the stipulation I'm going to put this on, on this for, for sake of fun here is, if you're playing Loyalists, you have to play a Traitor uh, as your next Legion. And if you're playing Traitors, you got to be a Loyalist in your next one. So I'm going to kick this one over to Warwick first. Uh, so if you finish your Ultramarines... What uh, what would be next on the ticket for you? I have been kicking this one around for a while, and I'm still mostly undecided. But I'm somewhere between um, Night Lords and Thousand Sons, and I've always liked Night Lords because they're scary. They're legitimately terrifying to me. Uh, their lore is insane. They're a bunch of psychos. Um, and for Thousand Sons, I think that they are really neat because they get like, um, I think they get kind of like smaller 
uh, elite units, but then they they get augmented by like the, the big war automatons as well. So like you've got you'll still have like your basic tactical bros, but then you get like the scarab occult terminators. You get really powerful psychics. Uh, and then you get these awesome war machines that go along with them. And just looking at those, they look really interesting to me. So that's that's pr- I'm probably leaning more into Thousand Sons. Which um, if I if it went Primark to Primark, I like Conrad Kurz more than I like Magnus. So uh, it's still kind of the fifty fifty for me. I think when I get to that point, I'm going to end up flipping a coin, something dumb like that. But I really like both. I think both are really cool. We'll just uh, we'll roll the dice when we get there. Who are, who are you more interested to paint? Thousand Suns, easy. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, so. I, I was expecting Night Lords there, I'm not going to lie. Really? Why is that? Yeah. Uh, I figured you'd enjoy doing the lightning bolts and stuff like that. Eh, I don't know. Maybe... I, maybe I'll do it like a, a a hero for each one. Like I'll do Savitar and or Savitar for Night Lords and um, uh, Aramen for Thousand Sons, and just see which one I I find more interesting. All right, let's uh, let's jump here. I I'd like to go last uh, because you guys have been we're gonna we're gonna get into a hot debate when I go. So uh, let's jump over oh to Paul. Yeah. So Sons of Forest. Now, if I'm going loyalist. I mean, Raven Guard were my first uh, chapter in 40k when I first started, and I've always kind of kept up with them. So, you know, I'd probably go back to them. Um, I know a little bit about how they play. I haven't looked too much into it for 30k, but I just like a lot of their elite units. The Mordeshian and stuff look really cool. Uh, the Corex model is decent. I haven't seen it in person. I've heard it looks a lot better. The pictures on Forge World don't do a lot of the Primarchs justice. Um, but yeah, you know, interesting list. <laughs> um, so I'd probably go with that. A lot of black to paint, so <laughs> that'll be a struggle. But All right, well, Manipul, let's jump over to you. And uh, So if, uh, if you finished out your Alpha Legion, what, uh, what do you think you would start with next? Well, when you guys posed this question, I nearly had a panic attack because doing something as big as picking like which legion you're going to play is pretty serious business, and it's very hard to decide. I've always liked the White Scars, and that's a very different sort of army than I've played in any other list. Very fast, you know, a lot of um, light uh, bikes and flyers and that sort of thing. The main issue there is that I know that there's such a backlog of guys who have ordered stuff for the White Scars that I think it's too big of an investment into a lot of those those jet bikes and that sort of thing that I'm probably not going to take that leap. So then I was thinking about an army I already have in 40k but not painted yet, and I have a ton of Death Guard. So what I thought about doing was running a Dusk Raider army and run Death Guard Loyalists with a, with a Dusk Raider paint scheme. And then try to tell a tale through my modeling of how they eventually turned into a 40k Death Guard, you know, Plague Marine list, and use some uh, some uh, some modeling and some painting to show in each of the squads as they get further and further down that path of corruption. That's interesting to me. That that sounds really cool. I like that yeah, uh, cool. that storytelling idea through your um, through the... your models. 
the white scars, what you said about though the backlog on that really bums me out because there are a couple of books and a few short stories that Chris Wright does for the, the 30K uh, stories that we're going to get into that are really good. And I'm not going to say that they're my favorite, but I really liked them. And to, to hear that they're not really being done justice on the tabletop really bums me out. Well, and then every time I'd, I'd play a game, I'd put the who on in the background, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and listen to some Mongolian metal music while I slay the emperor's foes. It'd be awesome. That'd be a great yeah, experience. Yeah, that'd be so sweet. That sounds, that sounds like a really good time. Yeah, I was going to make that joke when we got into the books. So, Brandon, you're sitting there all smug and um, controversial. What's your, uh, what's your hot take on, on your next Legion? My hot take is that I'm getting peer pressured getting peer pressure bad yeah. from you guys to start yeah, emperor's children be because it's right <laughs> up your alley you'd be really good at it you'd have a ton of fun painting it you could go any direction you wanted to the models are awesome you want to know the problem with the emperor's children for me i hate every character i don't like any of them <laughs> <laughs> they are epic pricks yeah that purple is true. man bad <laughs> We've been we've been working our way through Fulgrim for the next episode, and I'm like, God, these guys are just the worst. Oh, they're they're awful to one another. They're terrible. They're they're so passive aggressive, and it's like it's like, oh, you'll just go to war wearing anything, won't you? Oh, yeah, there's so many gross scenes in the in those books too about what they what they do once they fall to chaos. It's, it's oh really yeah, nice. it yeah. gets they're, pretty pretty degenerate. They go and beat Slanesh for the body hoarder. Yeah, they... you thought it was Nurgle. Nope, it was Slanesh. <laughs> they they just go to from dandies to gross. <laughs> but you're, I was gonna say you're absolutely right though that I would have a lot of. I love painting purple. It's one of my favorite colors to paint, and I don't hardly paint it at all because Slanesh grosses me out beyond belief. <laughs> but uh, I I, I it. It's frustrating because you guys have been pushing me so much on this that I came up with a 3,000-point list that I was like, wow, I really like this. <laughs> Except that it's Emperor's Children. <laughs> the pull of the sniper Laz cannons is strong. Gotta have those uh, sun killers. I, pr- I promise you that that 3,000-point list also includes a 10-man unit of sun killers with an apothecary. Whoa. Well, you know that there were groups, even after the heresy of these traitor legions that remained faithful and they wore their livery proudly and went and specifically sought out those other, the the guys who had turned traitor to to try and kill them. Very few of them ever survived, but they uh, died alone in the dark, many of them, but very heroically. No. So I, 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 I just can't do emperor's children, man. I could maybe do them as like a side art project. Uh, but I think if, if I ended up doing a traitor legion, I think I'd have to stick with my boys, the iron warriors. I, you know, they're just, they're my favorite legion and per, is awesome. And well, they get to add plus one strength to their weapons when they shoot a tank or something. Right. I mean, it's, it's, there's, they're crazy. Yeah. yeah, they're they're really really good, um, but I mean the gameplay aspect isn't really why I'm after them. Their their books and all of their stuff, it, it's some of my favorite stuff. They're of everybody who turned against the emperor, in my opinion, they're the most understandable. Just just because they feel like they got left behind, or they never got the credit they deserved. Yeah, well, and like I mean a little bit of spoilers here, but that 
there comes a point where they're carrying the entire heresy on their back and i you know it it just speaks to me of they're like you know they they left because they're not getting any credit for anything that they do and they're like we're doing all the work here and then you guys are doing whatever the hell it is you do so yeah and i i've always you know kind of been attracted to the um you know they're, they're the guys that get things done versus the immense showboaty other legions which i think is one of the things that turns me off from emperor's children the most they're pretty they're much all, the exact opposite yeah right? they're all flash they are yeah. literally the polar opposite so when when we get to the talern book i'm really looking forward to, to what you think of the iron warriors in that book um yeah it, it's gonna be interesting to see what your thoughts are yeah, in, in, in my experience with these books, um, the Iron Warriors are only written well by Graham McNeil. Uh, I, I love how he portrays Perturabo and his Iron Warriors characters. It really quintessentially captures how I envision the Legion. Um, so, and the Iron Warriors also have a habit of getting picked as the generic bad guy in a lot of 40k books from what I've seen. Uh, which is unfortunate because they're really interesting um, when you actually dig into who they are, but uh, a lot of, a, a lot of times it, it just doesn't happen. The, that work isn't put in by the authors. Uh, one of my one of my f- uh, favorite characters is Barabbas Dantioch, who is a loyalist Iron Warrior who gets picked up by Gilliman during Imperium Secundus, and his his story arc ends kind of poorly, but his his starting arc is really cool and interesting. I'm really looking forward to getting into that story as well. He's got a short story, I think, by John French. That's it's pretty good. Will um, it's got its problems, but I'm looking forward to getting into that one as well. He's he's a pretty good character. Awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to to getting into some Iron Warriors stuff as we uh, as we move along, but. I think we can go ahead and probably wrap up here. Um, this has been a lot of fun. Um, there yeah, are thanks, going guys. to be, yeah, yeah. Thanks for being on. There are going to be some very large sections of this podcast that are getting cut from the recording. Um, I think you know why. But we got to uh, earn that explicit rating somewhere. Yeah, we hardly no. swore this episode. Just like we the did. last five minutes. Yeah, we did pretty good. <laughs> So thanks for coming on, guys. We really appreciate it. Uh, To all of our listeners out there, thanks for sticking around this long if you're still here. Um, Be ready for the next episode. We're going to do a two-part episode of Fulgrim, and we're looking forward to actually digging into that one, and we'll see you then. Yeah, and uh, you know, I hope you all enjoyed uh, the subtle tones of Manipole because he will be joining us on that Fulgrim breakdown. Uh, we're really excited to have you. See what uh, what insight you're gonna gonna bring to to us and to our listeners here. We'll be looking forward to that. Yep, I'm looking forward to it too. Thanks, fellas. Great. Yeah, um, Warwick, do you want to kind of talk about uh, our our holiday schedule here since we're rolling into to that time? I have forgotten what you told me. Fantastic. Um, Never mind. I I will talk quickly about our holiday plans here. Um, so we we plan to do the two part breakdown of Fulgrim, um, and and so plans are for that to come out towards the you know end of October, beginning of November, uh, and then the second half of that to be about mid November. 
Uh, then we'll be taking some time off to spend with our families, uh, enjoy Thanksgiving um, and all of that. Uh, and then we will uh, we'll probably do another hobby roundtable in December. Uh, we do we do a secret Santa kind of thing with our group here. So we'll be opening some of those gifts on the uh, on the podcast and uh, expressing our disappointment with what the other person has gotten us very verbally and loudly. Um, I hope Warwick doesn't pull me anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we'll be we'll be taking uh the the rest of the month off for christmas and once we come back in about mid-january uh we'll look forward to book six descent of angels uh, so that's kind of what uh, you guys can expect rolling forward and uh we're, we're looking forward to getting into all of it right on and don't forget to check us out on social media we are live well not live we are on twitter and you can email us at legioncast18 at gmail.com and our twitter handle is legioncast a horse heresy podcast please like and subscribe (laughs) (laughs) yep thanks everybody for joining us and we will see you on the next episode 